All right. Hey, well, thanks for joining us this morning. Again, want to welcome you to the Vine Church. Thanks for being here with us. We are a brand new church here in the Tri-Cities. If this is your first time visiting, uh, we are um, uh, three, three and a half months into this journey, and we are incredibly excited by what God has been doing, uh, building a team, um, a facility like this, an opportunity to worship on Sundays, and now launching our branches. You heard a lot of information in that video. might have seemed overwhelming. I know you can't hit it all, but we do want you to know that you are invited to a place of belonging, uh, and, and our goal is, is to use Sunday as a launching point, that we can be encouraged, that we can grow um, uh, in our faith, grow in our relationship with each other, and then take that into the weeks. Take that into our homes and our workplaces, uh, amongst our friends, and we want to share that with the world around us. So, so we're going to use our branches to try to leverage uh, just the good that God has done for us in the world around us. So thanks for considering uh, being a part of some of those things. So thanks for being here this morning. Uh, it is Seahawks Sunday, right? I mean, again, the playoff game kicks off as we start church uh, this morning. So so thanks for choosing to be here this morning. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch any football last night. I got to watch the last minute and a half of the game between Green Bay and Arizona, and that was quite an ending to a game. Arizona is up. It looks hopeless for Green Bay. Um, some calls that didn't go their way, uh, a couple just unbelievable uh, long passes and a Hail Mary into the end zone. They tie up the game with zero seconds left on the clock. So it goes into overtime, and this is the interesting part. You don't have to be a football fan uh, for, for this. Um, so uh, they, they flip a coin to see which team is going to get the ball. And, uh, and in, the, in the game last night, the ref flipped the coin, and the absolute impossible happened. Uh, the coin, they showed replays of it. When do you see a replay of a coin flip, right? Has that ever happened in NFL history? It happened last time, last night many times. Uh, this coin, he, he flipped it and it went straight up in the air and it just wobbled in the air. And it came down, it hit the ground, it bounced, and it never flipped over one single time. The entire coin flip. And so now they're like asking, you know, we're asking these questions. Well, is it a coin flip or is it a coin toss? Does that count? I'm quite convinced he could never again do it in his life if he tried. But it happened last night in the game. And so uh, um, uh, Green Bay's quarterback, he's up in arms, Aaron Rodgers. He says, no, it didn't even it didn't even flip. And so the ref bends down and picks it up and redoes the coin toss last night in the game. Right. And, and what's fascinating is, I mean, football as as simple as the concept is, get the football to the other end of the field, right? The number of rules that go into that game are unbelievable. And, and when you see technical and ridiculous things like that happen in a game, you, you realize, so now there's going to have to be, you know, six more pages on how a coin toss works in the NFL rule books, right? It's absolutely insane. Well, it's not uh, it's not new to our culture. It's not new to football or anything like that. In fact, the Israelites, um, uh, as Jesus comes to earth, the Israelites have created a system of government and religion much like that. Uh, just an, unbelie- an, an unbelievable number of rules and technicalities that played into how to be right in the eyes of God. And today as we engage Luke chapter 7, which uh, we've been in Luke here for, for a little while, Jesus is going to continue to buck the trends and the norms and the expectations of a people that had every rule laid out. They knew all the technicalities and the right and wrong to the extent that it was absolutely impossible to accomplish what they had laid out and, and, and expected of themselves or, or the 
the Pharisees and the, and the priests expected of people became completely unattainable. And Jesus, he, he bucks against these norms and he, he breaks the rules. And, and today we're going to be challenged in Luke chapter 7 to, to understand, uh, so, so who is right in the eyes of God, right? Who is deserving of his love and his mercy? Because Jesus goes against all the expectations of the Israelite people here in, his, in the story today. We're in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Let's pray over it and then engage it. Father, we, we ask you to speak this morning. Will you open our eyes, open our ears to hear your word? Father, will you speak in a way uh, that challenges us and opens us up to something new? In Jesus' name, amen. It says this in Luke 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion's servant whom his master highly valued. He was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus, and he sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Um, That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and and my servant will be healed. For I myself am am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. You know, I I love stories about Jesus. I love to see how he interacts, to see when his heart is pulled, to see how he reacts to the the concerns and the needs of people around him. And, And in this story, he's called by a centurion. A centurion sends people to, to come to Jesus. So a centurion, he's a, he's a Roman official of a hundred soldiers. Okay, so he's high up. He's paid 20 times what a standard soldier would be paid. He's in a prestigious role, and, uh, and he is not an Israelite person. Now, under all the technicalities of Israelite law, this is not a man whom Jesus would be engaging. And yet it's fascinating that, that the centurion, he sends Israelite people, elders, to, to say, this is a man deserving of your goodness, of your kindness. Come and heal this man's servants. He's helped us. He's a good man. So a Roman soldier, now Rome is in, in charge of the known world at this time, and, uh, and Israel is under Roman occupation, and, and it wasn't good. They, they despised the Romans. The Romans were their, were their enemies. And yet in this place in Capernaum, there was a, a centurion, a, a Roman official who was loved by the people. And Jesus hears of this man and his need, and so Jesus travels uh, to go and to see this man. And the man sends a, a servant out as, as Jesus is approaching, and he says, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. And I think this is fascinating. Um, so often in our lives, as we have our needs and our concerns, we live out of this sense of entitlement. 
talked about that maybe before. But we live in a culture in which we expect good things, right? And, and so when we approach Jesus, very rarely is it with, I'm hardly worthy to be in your presence. Very rarely is it with that attitude, but instead a sense of, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. But this man says to Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. And he shows faith that Jesus, Jesus says, I haven't seen anyone with faith like this in all of Israel. And he, he says, he says, I know what it's like to be in charge of things. He says, Jesus, I know that you are powerful enough that if you just say the word, a servant will be healed. And Jesus responds that he hasn't seen that faith in Israel. And I got to say, I don't know that I often see that faith in myself or in the lives of people around me. This man knew the power of Jesus, and he felt comfortable to call on it. To humbly call on the power of Jesus, asking, will you help me in my time of need? And so his servant is healed. It's always fascinating to look at the characters in these stories and and consider them, their posture as they approach Jesus. When people are encountered by the, the power of Jesus, we've seen two primary reactions. There's fear. So often they're afraid. So often there's humility and, and, and request and need brought before Jesus. And in this case, a man humbly goes before Jesus asking, Jesus, will you help me? We see in Jesus incredible compassion. We see his willingness to go and to engage in the hurts of people, even people who aren't his Israelite people. As a side note, I think it's interesting to mention that we so often read these stories as the people of God. And that's fine and good, and we are, because we are God's chosen, his elect, and and we are uh, his people. Yet we often read ourselves into uh, the story of the Israelite people. But I think it's important to realize as we read these stories that we are not the Israelite people, but we are the centurions and the Gentiles that the Israelites so despised in this place. Now, we're the people that have been adopted into the good grace of God because Jesus, like in this story, has shown himself to be compassionate and loving and concerned about the needs of people. And so we, as we, as we uh, come here and gather, as we, as we pray together in our homes and our community groups, as we engage God's word, we're the people that realize I'm here by the grace of God. I'm not deserving. And, and maybe that entitlement begins to, to, to fade in our lives as we realize I have been adopted into a promise and a hope that I am undeserving of. Jesus, I'm not even worthy, but will you help me in my time of need? And and the story continues then in verse 11, and we see one other character, a couple other characters. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the uh, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and he began to walk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Then they were filled with awe and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. 
His news, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I ask questions when I read stories like this. Sometimes it, it's easier to think, well, maybe the guy wasn't dead and they just didn't realize it, right? Sometimes we ask those questions and we have those doubts, and, and, and I think that's okay. God's big enough for our concerns and our doubts. But as I read these stories um, and read the reaction of crowds, it's clear to me that that they didn't doubt like I doubt when I read this story. They truly believed this man to be dead and Jesus to have the ability to raise him from the dead. And and in stories like this, Jesus, uh, the the author of this this gospel, the story of Jesus, Luke, is beginning to establish for us the identity of Jesus. It's the question we began this journey as a church as, and it's the question we're going to continue on as long as we can. It is, who is Jesus? What does it look like to follow him? Really, who is this Jesus guy? Because short of understanding his identity, well, it'll have no impact on the way we live, right? On the hope that we have. Short of identity, the stories of Jesus are just another set of nice stories, And so Luke is beginning to build. Uh, The climactic moment in the Gospel of Luke is in chapter 9, and we'll get there soon, where Jesus says, he asks his followers, "So, so who do people say I am? And he asks his apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter is the first to identify Jesus for who he is. And so we read stories here about people, not even Israelite people, who recognize this is a powerful man. We learn in the first story, Jesus is powerful to heal, even from afar, even from a distance, Jesus is powerful to heal. And then we see Jesus approach an Israelite woman, a widow, meaning she has no one to care for her except for her son, and her only son has died, and Jesus' heart goes out to her, and he approaches, and he lays his hand on, he comes near to the situation, and and according to the witnesses there, raised a man from the dead. And they draw this conclusion. They, they say, see, a great prophet has come to us. And they're along the right lines. They are beginning to realize, so, so who is this Jesus? At this point, their, their vision is still blurry of who this man is, but they are seeing things that they cannot explain in and of themselves. You know, one of the things I love about mission trips and opportunities is the fact that they expose us to things that we just can't understand or explain. You see, it's usually not facts that change our perspective on life, right? It's, it's usually not a textbook that makes us understand or live differently. Generally, it's the experiences we have in life that force us to reflect and then we try to explain to people around us, and in time, new belief and new rhythms for life are formed out of, generally out of experiences. And so I think the narrative, the stories that we read of Jesus are so powerful as we, as we witness people experiencing powerful things and seeing the conclusions they've drawn and the identity of Jesus revealed. And in our lives, I'd challenge us as we, as we gather this Thursday for dwelling in the word at Steve's house on Monday night, exploring what is God's purpose for us in life as we serve in our community, that we begin to allow these experiences to shape our understanding of who is this Jesus and what does he call us to?
And, and in the story, in both places, we see Jesus engaging some of the least likely of people in these situations. And as we serve at a food bank or the gospel mission to realize that we have opportunity to see, to learn, to know more about God in the interactions with the least likely of people around us. Experience is powerful in our faith and in our growth. So we see these new characters, a young man raised from the dead, a widow uh, broken and hurting who never makes a request, unlike the centurion who who requests Jesus come and heal us. She doesn't make the request, but we see Jesus' heart as he chooses to respond to the need that he sees in her life. And all these people are filled with awe and praise God, and they come to the conclusion, this is a powerful man. God has sent a prophet. He has sent by God. You know, as we begin to consider, so what does the application of this look like in my life? I think there's quite a number of things with one main overarching thing. Um, look for God in the experiences around us is vital. We see compassion in Jesus. And, and as, we, as we experience hurts and challenges and problems in, in life, we know that, that Jesus responds out of love and compassion, not out of us versus them mentalities like the Israelite people would have in that day, but instead out of a, a love and a concern and a desire to help. We, we learn that Jesus is, is available and, and approachable at our requests. A man humbly approaches, even says, I'm, I'm not worthy for you to even come under my roof. And yet he, he makes the request of Jesus, to which Jesus responds. And we see the power in Jesus, that whether from a distance or in the presence of and in a touch, Jesus is powerful to heal. And, and it draws me to this. We all come here in different places in our lives, some of us feeling very near to God and feeling his presence in our lives, and and some of us feeling quite far from God, whatever it is life's experiences or just a season in which we've lost passion and focus and vision, and some of us come having never known God, realizing I am far and I'm not sure I'm ready to be near, and those are all okay places to be because we see in the story Jesus who desires to come near. Jesus who will cover the distance to come and to help and to heal. And, and I see this beautiful message of hope and good news. As we experience hurts and, and loss in life, as we struggle, there's, there's a very real challenge realizing that the not all problems that we face are immediately resolved. In fact, some of, some of them not resolved in this life. And, and we know that there's mercy in the end, and we know the hope in the long run, and so we find hope in that. But, but we also realize that, that Christianity and faith and this journey we're on is not just about justice, because we're just about justice. I'm without hope. Because I am not deserving of the grace that I've been given. And so we realize that there's unresolved hurt in the world around us. But God is gracious and good in the midst of our struggle and in the midst of our hurts. And, and so we coming from some, some of us far from Jesus and some of us very near, we, we bring Jesus our hurts 
and our sorrow. And we see the character of Jesus as one who is compassionate and who is loving. You see, our hope and our healing, it doesn't depend on our proximity to Jesus. How many good things have I done? Have I said my prayers this week or read my Bible? No, Jesus demonstrates in these two stories that from a distance or very near, his hope and his healing is available to people around him. And it would be a shame if we sat here today and only internalized this message. Because as we look around, uh, look at the world around us, we see so many people hurting and hoping. And like Israel, Israelite people in the day, it would be incredibly easy just to assume, but they're too far from God. But that same message we begin to internalize today saying that no matter how near or far Jesus loves and has compassion that applies in the lives of the least likely people around us. Today's a day that I want to invite us to consider reaching out to Jesus for his hope and his healing in our lives. Today's a day I want us to consider what it looks like to live seeing the world and people a little bit differently. Not us and them, but instead as people just like me in need of Jesus' love and compassion and hope and begin to engage in the lives of people out of that place. So today I want to I want to try something different. Um, I want to take a few moments here um, where, where we're going to pray as as we close down, and and we're going to go ahead in, in just a moment after I explain this. We're gonna we're gonna bow our heads and we're gonna close our eyes, and that allows for us each to have a place and a moment of of just some some privacy and personal reflection in this time. So we'll, we'll put our heads down and we'll um, we'll close our eyes for some just, just quietness and, and personal time. And as we talk through where maybe we find ourselves in this place, I want to invite you today, if, if, if God is speaking to your heart, yeah, that's me, that's where I'm at. I want to invite you just go ahead and raise your hand. People aren't, people aren't watching you. And I, I'm going to encourage you to do this today because I think it does something special inside of us. When, when we in some small way respond saying, yeah, I want that. You know, I want, I want to know that. So I want to invite you today, let's go ahead and just bow our heads and let's close our eyes and let's consider the characters in the story and who we are in this story, in this place. Some of us today, uh, Father, we come, um, but, but from afar. Father, we feel just distant from you. But Father, we read a story today about um, a man who was far in so many respects whom you are willing to cover the distance and come near to. So, Father, for some of us today who who feel far, will you move a little nearer to us that we can can know you um, a a little closer, that we can know your hope and your healing. And, Father, some of us today, we, we know your nearness, and we live life in your nearness. But, Father, sometimes we're so... Um, just buried in in hurt or in sorrow or the things around us that we forget to ask for your blessing and your healing that you can bring. So, Father, whether or not we, we realize to ask these things today, Father, will you show mercy on us and compassion? Father, will you heal my hurt? Will you heal our hurt? And, Father, some of us uh, today, we come in need of healing um, 
And Father, we trust in you uh, to be powerful in our lives. Some of us today come with a request for people around us, uh, a world that is hurting, a friend or a loved one that is hurting. And Father, I pray that you will, uh, that you will heal uh, people, bring hope. And Father, where, where dissonance and hurt remains, Father, will you, be, will you be near that we can know your peace and know your grace even in the midst of challenge? Father, we come here today as people who acknowledge uh, you as powerful, all on a different place in that journey. But Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you uh, that he was powerful. We thank you that he was a prophet. Father, we believe that he was more and hope is found in him. So Father, will you help us to live in that kind of hope? Will you help us to go from here with a new focus and a new perspective in life in the week to come? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe this. God is good. Uh, and God has come near in Jesus, that his Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and, and he continues to be a God of love and compassion in our lives. In the week to come, uh, I invite you to know that on a new level, to engage Jesus and to come near to a God who loves deeply, who wants to show mercy and compassion and healing in our lives. If, if you need prayers in, in any other way, if there's some, something specific that weighs on your heart today, I want you to know there'll be a couple of us over here by the communion table on the side. and We'd love to pray with you about that. If, if there's just a, another step that you're needing to take in life as you consider who Jesus is and what it is to follow him and the healing and hope that he offers, I want you to know that, that we can pray together about that. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I believe God has beautiful things in store for the week to, to come. Uh, let's be those people that rely on him, draw near to him. Go and be blessed. Have a great week.